We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. This is Kelsey Jones, Managing Editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm here with Debbie Miller, our Social Media Manager. Debbie is also the owner of Social Hospitality. How are you doing today, Debbie? I'm good, thanks, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. So today we're going to talk about social media. Um, You've been our media manager for, I believe, since January, and... Since then, you've managed to um, really increase our traffic, and you've also helped us put together a guide, which is available for free on our site about our search engine, or sorry, our social media strategy and how we kind of have grown our audience in that time. Um, How did you start tackling um, a strategy for social media for Search Engine Journal? It was quite a long process. It took, I think, around two months total to do the whole strategy, but broke it down by channel. So I started doing each one channel by channel, and then I did a draft, and then I would send it to Brent, who is our kind of strategic oversight on social media, and he would provide some feedback and then send it back, and then I would make some edits based on his comments. But basically broke it down channel by channel, um, did a lot of research on best practices and a lot of stuff that I've kind of learned over my past couple years working in social media, integrated those aspects into the strategy and then kind of looked at for search engine journal specifically what would be best. So for example, we might approach Facebook differently than um, a B2C company that's selling a product, for example. So there are a lot of specifics that have to do with whatever your industry and goals are that need to be tailored to your specific strategy. But I looked at some of our current and past trends and what have been what have been being done and what was working, what wasn't working, what could use improvement, what kind of posts were working, what kind of timing was working, and things like that. And obviously, that's a whole lot of information to take into account, but kind of creating the strategy gave us a roadmap to work with, and we don't stick to it 100% of the time because that would be, that would require lots and lots of labor and crazy planning, but it's a great, it's a great, it's a great roadmap to kind of, you know, kind of set a baseline and have kind of those ideas of, what we can do, and it worked really well within um, the first couple of months of kind of integrating the strategy and and doing those things we were able to grow. I think it was 130% our traffic grew those first three months, so it was really good to see that and to kind of see that we were on the right track. And then we also learned, um, I believe for our Twitter strategy, for example, our Twitter fans hadn't grown to the rate that we wanted them to. We had set some, some realistic goals of growing our fan base a certain amount of a certain percentage, and our Facebook growth totally surpassed our goal, and then our Twitter growth did not meet our goal. So stuff like that, going back and looking at what was working, what wasn't, and then kind of refining the goals for the future based on that to make sure that we're still, you know, growing at a consistent pace, but making sure that our goals are realistic and kind of aligning with what's reason, aligning with what's reasonable and and what might need to be tweaked. Yeah, definitely. So going back to kind of figuring out what strategies are best for the industry and for your brand in particular, are there three things or just a few things in particular that seem to always work for a lot of campaigns? I mean, maybe that's 
you know, best practices or some good things to start out with that always seem to be pretty successful? Sure. I think having a variety of, of post types. So I'm sure you've seen the brands that are just kind of a giant megaphone where they just kind of blur out the same thing over and over in the same manner. And it's just their content that they're trying to promote and get out there. But having a variety of ways to present content as well as a variety of information that you're sharing. So for us at SEJ, we obviously were posting several posts on a daily basis, so we have a lot of our own content to share, but we also share other industry news and information. We also you know, engage with our users on Twitter. We try to respond and promote our writers and do kind of a variety of different programming, for lack of a better word, so kind of trying to integrate that variety and keeping it interesting for our followers so that it doesn't just get monotonous. That would be kind of one, one big thing. Um, to do, and then another great can or another great idea, I think, is knowing when to integrate paid advertising. So we've, for specific campaigns that we've worked on for SEJ, we've boosted certain posts, and for a relatively small amount of money. I know there's kind of people have a love-hate relationship with Facebook, but for a pretty low amount of money for Facebook advertising, you can really target your audience very specifically. So depending on, on what you're trying to sell. Or promote, you know, you can really target by geography, by age, by what people like. So, kind of being able to tap into Facebook's, you know, the the intel that they have on users is really great for marketers. And some mar- marketers don't really tap into that as much as they could. But we've we've used boosted posts to promote some specific initiatives, or you know, we threw the search metrics event, so we promoted that quite a bit. We're you know sponsoring PubCon coming up, so we're going to be promoting some posts. Um, for that, and so using kind of strategically planning where to spend a little money to boost posts can be very beneficial, really, really big ROI on, on those things. So kind of thinking about where to, when and where and how to perhaps throw a little bit of money at social can be very useful as well. I think another, yeah. um, and, and then a third thing to to kind of keep things organized would be to to know which platforms to use to manage everything. And so this is this is actually what I'm going to be speaking about at PubCon is kind of managing your social networks. So we or I personally am a fan of Hootsuite and Buffer. Those are the two that I use. And I know there's a lot of different options that work differently for everybody. But um, I use Hootsuite for SEJ more on the engagement, the monitoring side, and then Buffer for the scheduling outpost. So there's different platforms out there to be used for, you know, those different aspects of finding the ones that are right for you and that work well with your team is important too to keeping your social media fresh and making sure everything's monitored. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on the Buffer and Hootsuite. That's what I usually use as well. Um, Are there any other tools that you would recommend for social media freelancers or managers that either things that help you find content to share or maybe some resources that help you kind of, for lack of a better better words, do your job better? Yeah, what am I favorite um, ways to, to gather content, well, two different things. So one is um, Google Alerts I use quite a bit. And Google Alerts are great. If you're not familiar with them, it's just google.com slash alerts. And you can basically set up an alert for any anything you want. So for example, um, I primarily work with hospitality clients. So for hotels that I work with and manage their social media, I might not be local to them or know what's going on in their area. So if I have, for example, a San Francisco hotel that I'm doing their social media, and I'm not based in San Francisco, I can set up Google Alerts for San Francisco and San Francisco events and things going on in the area so that I can monitor 
what's happening in the area, and basically Google Alerts just emails you as frequently as you would like an update of just what's in the news based on whatever search term you're looking for. So I can get a, an email directly to my inbox about what's going on in San Francisco. So that helps me create content to post on their social media sites. Um, another great thing to use is Twitter lists and Twitter search lists. And that's easy to do in Hootsuite. You can set up within your tab for whatever account you're working on, you can set up lists of search terms. So for example, for the, the San Francisco hotel example, I might set up a, a, a column for people who are talking about traveling to San Francisco or San Francisco hotels or San Francisco events and things like that. And that helps me find people to talk to, people to follow, and see what's going, you know, kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the conversations surrounding that topic. And I know for SCJ as well, we have, you know, we have an industry list that we use and look at. We have one for our writers so we can track what they're doing, what other places they might be writing and help promote them as well. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to use Twitter lists, and that's a great way to find content and to find people to follow as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that your business, Social Hospitality, like you mentioned, um, kind of works in the hotel and hospitality industry versus SEJ, which, you know, is in marketing and search and everything like that. How do you kind of manage to switch between different industries and stay relevant within a bunch of different topics? Oh, that's a good question. I, I like it. I like the variety because I think if you do too much of one particular thing, I, for, for, me, for, for me personally, like, I get bored kind of if, if I'm just yeah. doing one thing. So I love, I love the variety in working with different kinds of industries. And the great thing about Buffer and Hootsuite is that I can kind of keep everything organized in one place. So I kind of like, I'm, I, I have that brain where I can, um, like I'm very scatterbrained, like I like to kind of go from thing to thing, with it, you know, over and over again. So yeah. I'm, I, have the, I have the right kind of personality for that. I know some people like need to do one thing and focus on it and focus on one specific industry. And so, and, and that's great as well to be an expert in one place. But um, for me, I have everything in Hootsuite. So I have all my accounts from my personal accounts to my hospitality accounts to my um, like SEJ and I have a real estate client and just kind of a bunch of random stuff, but it's all there in Hootsuite. So it's all there in one place for me to manage, which is which is great. And similar with, with Facebook, all my Facebook accounts are in one place. Buffer, I manage a few of them in Buffer as well. And I just it's it's all there in one place for me to manage and then kind of, you know, on a case by case basis, depending on what's going on, I'm jumping around to different tabs and and monitoring, you know, basically check into them all every day at some point in the day. Um, but it all kind of varies and is very scatterbrained. But I think just having like a hub where you can have everything in one place is extremely beneficial. I think if, if I had to monitor kind of each brand in a different platform or a different kind of dashboard, that that might get confusing and, and hard to manage. But because everything is kind of streamlined in this one place, it becomes much more manageable, even though the individual accounts are in different industries. Yeah, definitely. And I'm like you. I like the variety. I mean, I've written or done social for, you know, things that I'll probably never use, whether it's, um, you know, tractor trailers or farming or, you know, dentistry. And so I think that you're on the right track saying that um, you should focus more on consolidating everything in one place so it's organized versus worrying about, you know, how much you have to switch things up because it does provide you know, variety and make, sh make sure that your work's more interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about, um, since you have such a large following on your own social accounts, um, 
you know, it's always difficult for me personally to decide how much of my personal life I want to share on social media. So there's some things that I'll only put on uh, Facebook, like really embarrassing photos from <laughs> elementary and middle school that I probably don't want everyone to know, but they're too amazing not to share. Um, versus Twitter, you know, I'll, I'm a lot more marketing um, oriented since that's what I do. And then I'll share like some quotes that I like or occasionally some photos I like. How, how do you think as marketers we should balance that ratio of sharing personal versus all business? And is it a good thing to kind of get personal with your social accounts when you're trying to brand yourself? Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it kind of varies based on the social network. So I think I, I you know, I think we're very similar in the way that we approach Facebook, for example. On my personal Facebook page, I have so many friends from from my hometown and from high school and from college and from all different walks of life that aren't necessarily friends that are in business or social media. And I have a lot of them on Facebook as well. So on my personal Facebook page, I tend to keep it more personal. I rarely talk about business stuff. Um, I do on my social hospitality fan page. That's where I post stuff like on my blog or industry stuff. And occasionally I'll post exciting things on my personal page as well. But I know that for three-fourths of my fans on my personal page, you know, social media stuff all the time doesn't necessarily interest them. So yeah. I'm more, yeah, on Facebook I'm much more, I would say, balanced. I, I usually just post a lot about, I, I don't talk much about kind of my personal life aside from like, um, I, talk, I share about my dogs a lot and stuff like that. For the most part, I'm a pretty private person. I'm not one to like kind of air dirty laundry the way that, that some people do on Facebook, which, which to each his own, no, no judgments or anything. But but for me, like I'm more like I like to share stuff that makes me laugh. I like to share just, you know, pictures of, of stuff that happen in, happens in my life. Whereas on Instagram and Twitter, I think it's more the people that, are, that I'm connected to and talk to on Instagram and Twitter are more social media interested folks. They're people that also, you know, use Instagram for taking pictures of their food and their dogs and their vacations and stuff like that, kind of similar to how I do. So on Instagram, I'm actually much more active on Instagram than Facebook just because I think Instagram is much more, well, it's kind of more mindless and, and because you can just kind of scroll through photos and you don't have to read a bunch of text. Um, and then similar on Twitter, I use it a lot for, for sharing business information because that's what um, I'm looking for on Twitter. That's, the kind of people I follow are business, social media related people. So that's the kind of content I share because that's what a lot of the people that follow me are interested in the same subjects. And I sprinkle in some of the personal stuff as well, but it definitely is more focused on the businessy side on Twitter because that's the kind of audience that I have there that are more other, you know, kind of business peers and social media peers as opposed to personal friends like I have on Facebook. So it kind of, I think it depends on your audience, and again, to each his own. But as kind of an overarching rule, definitely if you have work acquaintances and business acquaintances on your Facebook page, make sure not to post anything obviously incriminating. And take advantage of Facebook's, um, I don't, they're not called lists, but like the friend, you can create little friends lists on Facebook where yeah. you can have a list for family and you can have a list for business people and you have a list for college friends. And that way if you do go out drinking on Saturday night and have a picture of a cocktail, you can have it only visible to, you know, friends and not necessarily family and work associates and stuff like that. So taking advantage of the privacy settings on Facebook, people always complain we don't have privacy on Facebook. But if you do look at the list and set your settings up, you, re you really can't tailor who sees what. So make sure to, to tailor things appropriately. And, you know, your family might care that you just saw a family member recently, but 
not all your friends might want to see that those posts all the time, for example, too. So there's a lot of different ways you can balance your content to a specific audience on Facebook as well to kind of cover all those bases. Yeah, definitely. One rule of thumb that I use is um, if I don't want my mom to see it or my grandma, then I usually don't post it on any social network. Um, <laughs> I mean, I live a pretty, you know, vanilla life anyway, but I think just having common sense um, right. goes a long way too. If you don't want your boss or your grandma to see it, then you should second guess posting it, even if they may not be on that platform. Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So uh, a final question for our podcast today. Um, I kind of wanted to ask sort of a question that always has kind of, I don't know, fire under it. Um, Cause some people are for it. Most people are against it, but do you ever think that buying followers on any social platform is ever a good idea? My answer is no, but I do want to clarify that I am pro Facebook advertising, like I talked about before. And some people, yeah. um, I, and some people think the two things, those two things, are the same thing. I think they're different. I think paying for advertising to target a certain audience is good and beneficial, but I think buying followers is is not good. And I've seen, I had a client once um, that we, it was a hotel, a very very luxurious hotel that had bought followers, and when we took over their account, and I'm just like looking at their feed, and it was just all the spam and pornographic type stuff and it was just really inappropriate and having to sift through all that garbage to find the real followers was such a pain and then you know what was awful about it too is when we start unfollowing those people your numbers go down because they automatically have have it set up to unfollow anyone that unfollows them so it's a big automated mess so definitely don't buy followers it doesn't you know it makes your follower account look higher but you can organically grow those numbers yourself by looking for valuable people to follow and then looking at who they're following. This is a lot of how I've grown my own personal fan base over the last like five or six years was just it, all organic, but finding people to follow that I'm interested in, looking at who follows me and following back the people who are active and relevant to me, and then looking at who they're following and who's following them. That's a great way to find quality people that you want to follow and follow back. But yeah, no, buying followers isn't ever really beneficial. It, it just, the number, it doesn't give value. Those customers aren't going to buy from you. They're usually just trying to up their own follower accounts as well if they're subscribing to that sort of option. So it's definitely not good at ROI to purchase followers. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, Debbie, thank you so much for talking with me today. Again, this is Kelsey Jones and Debbie Miller with Search Engine Journal. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.